the key attached to the force pike. That's the bathroom key. Okay. Uh, just make sure that one we share. So just make sure you return that. Uh, okay. Okay. So then here's the the key to the slot machines. Okay. So this does the slot machines. This key here. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. no. The only reason you would ever need to use that one is if someone tells you they won, but they didn't win. No one wins. But I can access the money from the slot machines. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. And then and then of course here is the uh, the vault. Mm-hmm. Nobody's supposed to be in the vault. When when you come back here, it's just you in the vault. Just me in the vault. Well, yeah. yeah I can't can. take anybody in the vault with me. What if I want to take somebody in with me to help me take things out? No. Even if she's like gorgeous. Mm-mm, yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody. Okay. All right. Nobody's allowed okay. in the vault. All right. All right. So I got the three keys. Got it. Three. This no. To the vault. What? There's like fifty keys. Okay, I know, but you just told me about these three. What are the other? What what the heck do I need fifty keys for? There can't be that much around here for fifty keys, dude. It's Cloud City. Hey guys, you beefing up security around here or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, same old, same old. Wait, 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 wait. What the? Who who the heck is this? That's Nate. He lives here. Guarding the precious. Yeah, we pretty much just let him hang out back here, and he doesn't really bother anybody. Is, well, is you there... said gorgeous in the vault, so what have we here? All right, newbie, oh. this is your problem. See ya. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, to the 13th episode of Cloud City Casino. Glad to have you visiting us here in our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. We are the official collecting and gaming podcast of StarWarsReport.com, and I am the administrator of this facility and your host. Also, uh, joining the team for the, uh, I guess, officially now, would be Bruce Gibson. Hey, hey, hey! It's great to be here in the casino, playing those slot machines. Yeah. So wait... You're the administrator of this facility. What does that make me? I don't. I don't really know any other titles from the Star Wars universe, other than administrator. But you know who might would be our guest, who's joining us, Nathan Butler. Hey, everybody, uh, Bruce. I think that makes you Lobot, brother. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> that means I'm not going to talk too much. It means you got to wear your headphones though, kind of pitched backwards or something. There you go. Perfect. So real quick for everybody, um, Ed, he's actually moved up to Minnesota, which sad. Uh, I've actually been friends with him for a long time. I mean, still friends with him, but, you know, we, we've always kind of lived close. And he's he's moved up there, which, you know, that stinks. But the good news is that he actually is really close to Fantasy Flight headquarters. So either he's going to get a job there or he's going to break in one. But uh, either way, I think that's going to end up being a win-win situation for us. Well, he could be our secret agent that breaks in there and gives us all this information before it leaks out to the general public. Um, well, we already have that going on, but that, uh, that's neither here nor there. We we definitely will kind of have, kind of have Ed call in from time to time and sort of see what's going on, going on around there. So, uh, so, so you got the feel for everything now, Bruce? I think so. I think I know where every key of the 53 keys that I have now goes. And I found out there's no key to Nathan. He's just on his own. Yeah. Pretty much. But I will say, 
having worked in a school with a lot of doors. <laughs> Take that bathroom key, don't give it back. You're going to need it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started into some of our topics this week. So, a lot of... Disney slash Star Wars slash Fantasy Flight slash Lucasfilm, all of those people are all responsible. Um, they have really decided from essentially, let's see, this week into the next two weeks, have decided to release everything that I want in the world. And I'm trying to figure out how I can afford it. Still working on it. Uh, Bruce... I might need that, that key to the, the slot machines back. As long as I'm not giving you the key to the vault. That one's mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow. So, uh, something that just recently released were two, no, three new, four new expansions for Imperial Assault. Is that correct, Nathan? That is correct. One's technically an expansion. The other three are what they call ally or villain packs, but think of it as one big one and three small ones. Right, yeah. I, I never got how one is an expansion and the other one's not. Um, yeah, they do, they do the same thing with like the card game where they call them force packs and then they have their actual expansions as well. But Yeah, but at least then they call the ones that are big deluxe expansions as opposed to the force packs being regular expansions. In this case, it's just basically expansion and packs <laughs> right so um let's see I i'll let you go ahead and and well bruce you, you got to keep us so you're not really familiar with imperial assault so you got to kind of keep us online with everybody yes because i'm going to represent the listener that really doesn't know a whole lot of what you're talking about because i fit into that so well okay so uh, you can stop us, ask questions, or anything you need. So I guess we... So, we... so, so first tell us, what is Fantasy Flight? You want to take that one, Nathan? Sure. All right. Uh, they are basically the new, or relatively new, official licensee for pretty much all things Star Wars games that aren't video games. The video game license is with uh, Disney Interactive and EA. But then that means that role-playing games, card games, miniatures games, all those types of things all get funneled through Fantasy Flight Games. And that means they're the producers of three RPG lines right now, uh, Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny. They have the Star Wars card game, just called Star Wars The Card Game, but usually called the LCG or Living Card Game because of the way that its sales model works. And then you have multiple miniatures games at this point, X-Wing, Armada, which are the space-based games, and then Imperial Assault, which is the ground-based combat. So they're kind of hitting all the different gaming approaches that you tend to think of as big with sci-fi franchises as long as it's not video game related they can put out pdfs of freebie stuff but they can't even put out ebook versions of their source books because they don't have the license for that it's all got to be physical that was interesting about the ebook thing because i've been actually looking to get some of these books and uh, it's good to know that you can't do the ebook but i think i'd rather have the physical book anyway yeah it's for for those so i'm actually um playing edge of the empire and, and i'm going to start uh, I, I got the okay from everybody i'm uh going to bring the mics and record our session since we're just starting our second session and um and hopefully that's going to go pretty well because i have found out that my uh my little my group um what was it yoda said let's see was it adventure excitement a jedi craves not these things well jedi may not but uh my play group certainly does 
um, we we had the option of of getting we needed a spaceship, and we had like four easy options, or we could go steal from Imperials, and that's what my group wanted to do. So, I uh, hopefully that's going to be pretty entertaining. But anyhow, uh, the the book. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to have the book to flip from page to page really quickly rather than have the ebook and, and having to kind of s- sort of scroll up and scroll down or trying to remember where things are. So, so what is it that you're flipping to? What are you looking at in this book? Okay, well, now this is so, so we, we're a little bit off track because Fantasy Flight does have several different games. So, this is their, their role playing game, right? So, okay. they have their Star Wars role playing game, which is actually divided into three different. They're they're technically three different role playing games, but then they're really not. You can you can play off of each of them. So the the first one that came out, I believe, back in 2012, was Edge of the Empire, and it focuses on your your more outer rim stuff, right? So it, it's going to be more bounty hunters, smugglers, um, dealing with huts, things like that, right? So no no rebels, Imperials, really. I mean, you you, you may kind of come into them, but you're not fighting against the Empire, you're not fighting against the, uh, the Rebellion, um, and then there's really not any sort of um, Jedi or anything like that, right? So then they ended up releasing Age of Rebellion, and now that one, essentially, it's, uh, it's modeled more toward doing um, more actual combat, more warfare type stuff. So in that, you actually play as the Rebellion uh, against the Empire, and so you're, you're going to be doing more combat missions and, and sort of role-playing through that way as like a soldier or a, or a pilot or something, right? And this role-playing game, the second one, doesn't overlap anything with the first. They totally run separately. Um, okay, so they're, on, they're basically, they work off the same system. So you can you can uh, sort of piecemeal where where you feel like, but but it's essentially so you can kind of bring them together if you want to, right? Right. Way. Okay. So and, what's the third one? Then? And so the third one is called Force and Destiny, which, as you can imagine, brings in the Jedi and Sith. So that one just came out recently. Yes, yeah, so I, I believe they only have the core rulebook out for that one. It's it is the newest one. They got they've got a few. They got uh, I mean not many, but they've got the beginner game that they always release right before the core rulebook. Right. Then you got the core rulebook, and then they release the game master kit, which is basically a game master screen that has all kinds of information on one side to use and pretty pictures on the other, so you can block what the game master's doing if they're trying to keep notes. Um, and then it's also got with it a, a an adventure that you can run, so you could actually it's set up so if you run the one. From the beginner game, you can then follow that with one that's free online. And if you run the one from the core rulebook, you can follow that up with the one from the Game Master Kit. And it's designed to basically get you um, get you a holocron and lightsaber hilts from one adventure, lightsaber crystals from the next, so you can begin your journey becoming a Jedi, but at, but at least already have that iconic weapon of a Jedi in the process. But they're all meant to fit together. There, there's a section in each one. That basically says how to convert between them if there's any need to convert. Um, the only big, big difference really is that it, it's story driven. So you've got obligation as a character feature in Edge of the Empire, which means you owe somebody. And as you play, that plays into how the story is told and how you gain experience points by playing that up well and being your character. Then there's duty in Age of Rebellion. 
And then in Force and Destiny, they got a thing called morality that not only gives you a, a moral stance to take, but has like a moral strength and weakness that can help lead you to the light side or the dark side to become a light side paragon or fall to the dark side and have to be redeemed. And there's all kinds of mechanics built around it. it it's all one universe. They just divide the product line so you kind of know what you're getting. Kind of like um, you go back to West End Games days with role-playing stuff, and a lot of times they would have their lines, you know, like Galaxy Guide this, Galaxy Guide that. You kind of know sort of what you're getting with the product. They don't tend to do that with the little series names, so they just have these bigger product line names. And I take it this isn't canon. Would this be considered Legends? Oh. Or is that a sore subject? <laughs> um, okay, they all, all of Fantasy Flight Games' games began, well, I guess, except for Armada, I guess, uh, began the process of production or began actually being released during the Legends era. And they include a ton of Legends information. And there's some question as to, okay, well, how's that going to work? We figure it's going to stay predominantly Legends. And then just recently we find them talking about how they're going to release, for instance, the ghost from canon, from Rebels, into X-Wing. And we have that leak of other stuff coming into X-Wing. And <laughs> um, you get about. the Force and Destiny core rulebook, and it has sections on how, well, there's 35-plus years of all this Star Wars continuity out there. You could use it as inspiration. You could chuck it. Doesn't matter. You're the game master. Do what you want. Just kind of let your players know whether you're sticking to canon or Legends or what you're doing. Um it seems as though the approach they're taking is like what they've said they're going to do with the video games now, which is it'll go through the story group, but not necessarily to be approved for canon so much as to be approved as an authentic Star Wars experience. So it may be fitting in canon, it may not, it just sort of depends, and that leaves most of these games kind of in like a limbo. Um, makes it very difficult for timeliners like me to figure out exactly <laughs> where to put it, especially since it's a very nebulous stance that they haven't really expressed clearly and what few insights i've been able to glean by talking to people like pablo hidalgo tend to be stuff that wind up not being able to be shared and it becomes sort of a why don't you guys just say something publicly on what to do with this stuff so we stop pulling our hair out but <laughs> apparently they want bald fans yeah see i'm i'm on the other end though i'm like i love it because to me it's you know i i like the idea that you sort of control it uh you know you, you can take from wherever you want and it and it's not as you know, I mean, it's it's your story because the thing is, at the end of the day, even if they tried to, uh, because you know, there's those legends fans out there who who don't even who won't even refer to themselves as legend fans. You know, they're uh, no, I'm an EU fan, right? <laughs> so they're gonna say so. So if if uh, Lucasfilm's like, nope, nope, we're gonna we're gonna keep all this in canon, so you can't use any of these. They're gonna be like, forget that. Calcatarn is totally in this group. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And I mean, no, I think. <laughs> I think it works well. I, I think of it kind of the same way. We, were, we talked before on the show, and, and we had the game coming out soon of Disney Infinity. And one of the Disney Infinity things is you've got your story side of things, but then you got the toy box. And it's literally just like a kid going to their toy box, taking out all their different toys and just playing with whatever. He-Man can fight G.I. Joe. Who gives a crap? It's your toy box. That's kind of what approach it seems like they're taking. They don't want to constrain the video game mechanics or these games mechanics to say it has to be canon. Uh, they want to be able to give you a lot of different options to play with. And I mean, I think it works as long as they're making it clear. I don't think anybody has a problem with the idea uh, or many people have the problem of, Hey, let's just throw stuff together and just have fun playing. Cause that's what these games are supposed to be about. 
I think there's a lot of frustration when it comes down to, can you just give us a clear answer? Does this count or does it not? But that's not a frustration that's new. It's just new in that it refers to canon. I mean, that, that frustration's been around for decades now when it came to the Legends continuity. So we just got to kind of play and forget, for lack of a better term. <laughs> right. Okay, so I'm going to create something here. We have canon, we have Legends, and now we have fantasy. And that's what this falls into is Star Wars fantasy. Fantasy flight. Boom! All right, Bruce. F cannon. Start a Although, hashtag. isn't that kind of what people have said recently? <laughs> F cannon. No, that's no. that's a nickname Not. I have for I I can't talk about that on air. So you're good on the uh, the role playing games now, right, Bruce? I'm good on the role playing, and now I understand there's the card version, and then there's the board games, which Imperial mm-hmm. Assault comes into, which we're going to talk about later, right? Right, right. And, okay, so here I always explain uh, Imperial Assault as Two, it's two games in one, and one of the games is sort of like a your, your basic tabletop army type game. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I know HeroClix is, is a really popular one that, that people may have heard of and kind of understand how it works. It kind of works like that. You know, uh, your opponent has their team, you have your team, uh, and then you. The main thing is to try to kill each other, right? On. However, they also have uh, mechanics in, and that's called skirmish. Um, however, they also have some mechanics in that allow you to do more storytelling type mode. I can't remember what that's called. Um, Just campaign. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you have your your campaign mode, and with that, it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's 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 like your your basic tabletop RPG. It's the idea, I mean, the whole thing is a miniatures game, right? right? If you're playing Armada and X-Wing, you basically have just this wide open space with maybe some obstacles you put in, and you're dogfighting basically to kill each other. In this case, it's very different in that you have a set map that you're using. In fact, it comes with a bunch of little puzzle piece type tiles, and before every mission, you have to put together the tiles in the right way to make the map for that match. Um... You play through the missions, and depending on how it turns out and certain things happening, uh, key activities happen. Like at the end of, of turn number whatever, a door opens and out comes these stormtroopers you didn't realize were there. That sort of thing. That all of a sudden the Imperial player gets more stormtroopers to put out. Um, it plays kind of like a board game in that you have to keep track of where you are. You're moving from square to square and whatnot. But then when you get to the end of a mission, how it turns out decides, okay, which mission comes next? Or which side mission comes next? And... In a sense, you weave this massive campaign, and along the way, you grow stronger. But it's not so much that your stats, per se, are getting stronger, like a, like with XP and an RPG, so much as it's more like, okay, I've just done this side mission successfully. Now I get to add Luke Skywalker to the allies that I can call into battle. Or now I can bring in um, you know, these Trandoshans, or now I can bring in Boba Fett, or whatever. Um, Think of it kind of like just the typical miniatures, you know, kill each other type game, except your objectives might slightly change. And if you really want to play the campaign, you can build this over night after night after night after night and get a lot more out of it than just saying, okay, we played once, we're done. They built in this interesting way that they've got this narrative built into it. Granted, you know, it's kind of a loose narrative because it's a game, it's not a book or anything, but it's... I've found it very complex, but pretty rewarding to play. It's certainly, I feel, the most complex of all three of the miniatures games that Fantasy Flight's put out. 
So, Nate, who do you play with usually? Are you part of a group? I tend, when I get a chance to actually play, it's either with, uh, generally, it's friends from out of town. My wife and I have run through a couple. Um, other times, I'm experimenting with ideas, and I'm just running it as if I'm both players. It just, it really just depends. I don't have an organized group, but that's partly because I'm tucked away in the, the butt end of the Atlanta metro area, as opposed <laughs> to up there by where Michael is. Well, just to let you know, I'm up here too, so. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. <laughs> Everybody's up north. That's, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, we're actually all in a, like, just out, just basically the outskirts of the Atlanta metro area. As if you couldn't tell from Michael's accent. Hey, easy, easy. I'm no Steve Glosson, all right? <laughs> so now, now you talked about being able to sort of change up those tiles and uh, continue through the, the campaign. So that's sort of what these expansions and, and villain packs are about. And that's what just came out. That's the thing that's coming out that everybody's so excited about. This is the expansion of the Imperial Assault, right? Yes. Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah. See, I'm with you now. Or maybe you're not. No, it's pretty much it's it's an oddity. Their their marketing structure for this has been bizarre. Um, but the main thing that just came out is called Twin Shadows, and you have the original game that's a box set. It's about a hundred bucks, tons of miniatures, and everything you need to play the game in it. And then you've got Twin Shadows, which is a much smaller package. I think it runs about forty bucks, and it's got a series of missions that you can either play as a mini campaign. Or you can treat each of those missions as a side mission and work them into the regular campaign to make that even more robust. And it comes with, and this is what most people get excited about, it brings into the mix uh, more miniatures for different characters. So like the Twin Shadows pack comes with two new heroes. Um, on the Rebel side, the characters that you as the player play uh, most of the time are these characters created by Fantasy Flight Games. They're not movie characters or anything, though they can come in to help you from time to time. Um, so they just introduced two more of those in the pack, and then they introduced, it's kind of a misleading thing to say, 10 new miniatures. Why, yes, it is 10 new miniatures. Two heroes that are unique, and then four each of a heavy stormtrooper and a Tusken Raider. <laughs> so it's 10, but it's not 10 unique ones. Um and it gives you this new setting on Tatooine, new missions on Tatooine. It gives you some new map tiles to create um, some further expansions of the maps and whatnot. It's it's adding to the story, but it's certainly nothing on par with the size of the original. I, I would think of it kind of like um, almost like a novel versus a short story or a novel versus a novella, whereas the one is really, really heavy. The other one is great and adds to the adventure, but at the same time, it's not nearly as heavy as the other one is. And Michael, you and I have talked about it. What do you, I mean, do you want me to get into what their weird marketing strategy is? Or do you want to give us a sense of your thoughts on it first? Because it's, well, I, can, I, mean, I, I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> I can give mine real quick. I actually really like it. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool because it's, I think uh, Fantasy Flight, I think they m may too much try to extend goodwill to people in, or to, to their, uh, their player base because what what they're what they've done here is uh like with the original set he was talking about so they will give you the IG88 card which is you know it has all of IG88 stats and everything and uh so so you know exactly how he's meant to play but 
instead of giving you the actual miniature, they give you a little cardboard token. And the, the reason for that is because they, they give you a ton of miniatures. Um, but, but there's a few unique ones, like I said, like IG-88. There's the... Uh, Ah, it's the Royal Guard, but it's the Elite Royal Guard. Is that that the title of the it? Royal Guard Champion? Champion. Okay, so like that's another one. Uh, there's also a uh, ATST pilot that that he he's a named uh, guy. So so you get these cards for them, um, but you get cardboard cutouts for them. And so when you're playing through the campaign, you can use those. However, if you're playing uh, the skirmish at a tournament, you have to actually have those miniatures. But the reason that I like that is you can continue to play through the game all that you want with, with, uh, with the cardboard cutouts. And at the same time, you can familiarize yourself with the, um, you know, with the units and, and their stats and everything. So if you were to then decide you want to, to make a, uh, they call them lists, instead of armies for some reason, but but if you wanted to make a list with that character, you can then go buy that one separately uh, rather than, you know, having to buy it beforehand to, to determine if you're going to enjoy its play style. Yeah, it's really... I don't know. I, I just find it kind of odd in the sense that I, you're going to have people angry on the one hand, which is understandable, yet I don't think they're seeing it from the right point of view, uh, where some people be like, well... You gave me all these other miniatures. Why are you going to keep Han Solo, Chewbacca, uh, IG-88, Royal Guard Champion, the Rebel Saboteurs, the Rebel Trooper, and General Rice, or Weiss, I guess his name is, Weiss, yeah, with, that, that was... with a big old ATST customized thing. Why are you going to keep those away from me when you gave me all these miniatures for these characters I don't care about? It's like, well, that's kind of the point. It's kind of a marketing angle. <laughs> um, but I look at it more in terms of, wow. You know, here are these products they were about to put out as expansions, as ally packs that you can buy. And instead of saying the only way to play with Han or to play with Chewie is to go buy them, they're going to give you the card and the little token inside the set to let you go ahead and play. But to me, that from a business standpoint, that's great for the fans. I love the fact that you have the ability to play with them without having to go buy them separately. That, you know, you can play with the cardboard token. That's fine. You don't have to go buy the miniature for fifteen bucks or ten bucks or twenty or forty or whatever it's going to be, depending on the item. But at the same time, from a business standpoint, it seems odd because what that means is that for somebody who goes out and buys, let's say you're going and buying the Han Solo pack, right? You've got the game, you've got his card, his deployment card, and you've got his token. You can play with him. If you buy the pack, you get a duplicate of the card. You get a Han Solo miniature, so now you're tournament legal. But then you also get a deployment or a, a new mission card, a new reward card, six command cards, two skirmish mission cards, and a new map for skirmish missions that you can put together based on the information that they give you on the rule sheet. So it's actually more like the value that you're getting isn't so much being able to play as Han, unless you're playing in a tournament. So much as it's all the other stuff. It's all the supplemental stuff. It's almost like when X-Wing came out and you bought the core set and it came with an X-Wing and two TIE Fighters, but then the, some of the first expansions were a, an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter. And you were buying them not so much to get another model because you could just buy another core set to get more models if you needed them, but it was different cards in the package that made all the difference in how you were, were playing with them. Um, I would think that that, while being cool and giving making there be enough value in these packs to still buy them, it seems to me like they're kind of undercutting themselves. Like you were saying, kind of being too uh, too much trying to get that goodwill because there are going to be a lot of people probably 
who would have bought that Han Solo ally pack, maybe grumbled about it, but would have bought it if they didn't have the token and the card in the core set. And I figured this was going to be something just for that first wave to get people into it because it's kind of expensive, get people to get a feel for the game, and then, hey, let's start releasing more unusual stuff. But then they put out Twin Shadows, and Twin Shadows inside it has several characters that don't have figures. They've got tokens. C-3PO, R2-D2, Boba Fett, and, and a Stormtrooper commander guy named Kane Somos, who are the ally and villain packs for this wave. R2 and 3PO as a pack, Boba Fett, and Kane Somos. They did it again. <laughs> yep. And the next wave is going to have a handful that don't seem to be connected to a bigger set, so they do look like they're going to be original. But then right after that, the very next wave they've already announced, there's a big expansion based on Hoth, and a bunch of expansion pack characters, or, or ally pack characters, dressed in Hoth fatigue, so you can bet they're going to do it again. Yep. It's weird. I mean, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I, I teach economics, and I'm sitting here <laughs> as a business decision saying, what are you doing? Aren't you undercutting your own profits by doing this? But I guess the the goodwill it engenders to them, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like with the LCG, right? I mean, they could probably make more money if they were selling booster packs instead of force packs where you always know what your cards are. But they engendered so much goodwill by doing that that's so good for the player that they wind up making back the money anyway because so many people flock to their products. Right. Yeah, I see and um to me though I I do see there's definitely value in getting both things uh depending on how you play. Like now skirmish is the more uh tournament 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 side of of things and and you know so th- those people in order to uh, you know in, in order to be tournament legal they're they're going to buy those. So the so the incentive for you know your your more tournament player is hey I need to be tournament legal, right? So that's why they would get Han. If if they if they needed a, a tournament legal Han, then that's that would be their incentive. But it's cool because they were able to uh, determine you know what playing with Han would be like to get to that point. However, if they're uh, if it's someone playing casually, playing the the campaign with uh, some friends or, or spouse or something like that, they have no reason to to need that, right? But the thing is. If if you buy them, um, if you buy that pack, you're going to get those extra things for for the campaign to to move the campaign along. Kind of like how how they say you know the the card game is a living card game. This is sort of a a living board game. That works. Living <laughs> board game. I like that. An LBG. Uh, <laughs> although it's very very close. You got to be careful with your acronyms now. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> if you uh, add a T in there, you were sued. Yeah, then it becomes confusing. <laughs> Um, so I gotta say, one thing that I'm hearing as a complaint, I, I am hearing the complaints about the whole, well, I've already got Han, why didn't you give me the figure, or why should I buy this pack? Um, usually that, you know, couple minutes of conversation and that's all kind of quelled and people are realizing, oh, this actually is kind of a good thing for me. Um, one thing that I'm finding that hasn't seemed to abate much is conversations about value when it comes to the miniatures themselves, because... What I'm finding is that people are so used to the X-Twing and Armada miniatures being fully painted and very detailed. And then they see these figures that are detailed, but I mean, some of them have really thin parts that are bent all to heck because they're not as heavy plastic as the ships are in the other games, and they're not painted at all. And 
I guess that Fantasy Flight did it, one, for a money reason, but also because there's so many people who, with this type of miniature game where it's ground-based, like to paint their own miniatures. But it just seems, I mean, I, I think maybe they kind of have a point when you look at the prices and how they compare between Imperial Assault versus X-Wing. They're not all that different price-wise, and yet you got one line fully painted and one that's not, and really, frankly, looks very drab. Imperial Assault is just an ugly game. <laughs> visually right. until you start painting the figures right uh, I mean, is, is what do you what's the is it is it a painting thing is it the, that they want to let them paint it is it a money thing is it people just you don't know how these miniature games work they're not supposed to be painted you heathen <laughs> that's a really good impression uh you know it's i i i don't know um I, I could kind of give a couple of reasons that I would think that it would be beneficial, and and that may be it. It may not just be one reason, um, but one would definitely be cost. You know, uh, the so so for instance, you look at these, and I don't know the exact number of miniatures, but there's a lot of miniatures in this game. All right, like just a ton. Uh, if you look at Armada, which which they uh, retail for the exact same price, the they only painted up the. That's true. They they painted like the the we call them capital ships, like the blockade. Yeah, yeah, the capital. They don't yeah. paint the X wings and Tie fighters. That's true. Right. Yeah. So they only painted the three capital ships. The uh, oh, what is it? The, the Victory class Star Destroyer, the uh, Corellian uh, blockade runner, and then the uh, the frigate. Right. So those are that they only had to paint those three things. If they painted every single one of these miniatures, that could, I, I don't I think that would be really costly. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think they would probably have to charge more or, or offer less uh, figures and then have to release the others out uh, or, or miniatures and then have to release the rest out uh, as, as expansion packs. So, um, yeah, I, I, th I think cost could definitely be part of it, but then the other thing um, would would be, you know, just just that yeah, there, there's a lot of people that they like, uh, you know, the the miniature gaming community like to actually paint up their miniatures, so so they may be appealing to them as well. Like I said, I I don't know that it's any one reason as much as it's you know both of those reasons sound good, and they said all right, let's just go with this. What's the size of these miniatures? I mean, is it really hard to paint something that small, or is it big enough that you could actually do that? Have you painted any of them, Nathan? I have not. In fact, I despise the idea because <laughs> I'm not any good at it. So I'm sitting here looking at these like, oh, I'm never going to paint these. In fact, you know that build of Millennium... Blah, 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 say that again. <laughs> you know the build the Millennium Falcon thing? right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like 60 bucks a month for months and months and months to get all these parts to build an, an accurate Empire Strikes Back prop replica of the Millennium Falcon. What got me on it at first was the price. Then I got a raise because our county finally gave teachers a raise after like eight years. Now I'm thinking, I could maybe do that. 60 a month isn't too terrible. And then I realized, but it's not all painted. Screw it. <laughs> so I am right. I'm not the one to ask when it comes to miniature painting. But right. to, to answer the question, they're up there about they're what, inch, two inches, give or take. I, I'm very bad at that kind of, of yeah. mental measuring. But I mean they fit in they have to be 
as far as diameter of their base goes, they have to be able to fit inside these small squares to move from place to place. Yeah. And the squares are only about an inch. Yeah, they're like chest piece square, size. give or take. Yeah. So yeah, it, they're not big. Yeah. And but but I don't think that they, uh, you know, I have not attempted painting them yet. I have painted miniatures before. Um, to me, these actually look a lot easier than some of the miniatures that I've painted before. And uh, with with a lot of the the color sets and things, that makes it a lot easier. Because I, I can tell you right now, Darth Vader. Um, I, I don't know the, the the current expansions if that's still the case, but up until this point, Darth Vader has been easily the best figure in the game. Um, he's not really hard to paint, you know. I mean, he's you can pretty much if if you were not very good, you could use a lot of black paint, and then you know maybe just a couple other colors here and there. You know, obviously the lightsaber is going to be red, something like that, and it would look fine. It would look decent, right? So the, as long as you like goth. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of black and a little bit of another color or two. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just, just a little bit on there, and and you know, and because I mean, Darth Vader, he's he's one of of the figures that that gets played the most. The second one would be the uh, the Royal Guard, red. You just need some red, you know. Th throw a little uh, glossy coat on the head for the helmet. Boom. You know, it's they they look really easy to do uh, stormtroopers. Once again, you know, some white, throw on a glossy coat, maybe a little bit of black, you know, here and there. It's I just don't I don't think that the, the figures that you're that people are going to actually play are are that hard to paint. You know, the what do you have? Boba Fett? Yeah, he's going to be a pain in the hut. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. He's he's probably going to be a little difficult, um, but I mean, he's just going to end up in a sarlacc pit anyway. So why bother? Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? Oh, down there being eaten. <laughs> uh, so Bruce, I mean, you're coming into this the the discussion without having checked it out. So you're hearing about this model of 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 marketing and such for the first time. I, what do you think? If if you were going to jump into playing this game, are you? I mean, you thinking this is a good thing that you got tokens for some of the characters to try them out? Or are you of the, why don't you give us a figure persuasion? I mean, you got both of us kind of going at it here as far as that goes. But you're the one who would be actually coming into it without any pre-existing conceptions. Well, what I'm hearing sounds good in the fact that I don't feel like I have to invest in the whole line of Imperial Assault. That I can just kind of start off with the twin shadows piece of it and expand a little bit above and beyond that um and no i would not be painting the figures if i had the darth vader i'd dip them in black be done if i had the imperial <laughs> guard dip them in red be done but you know i think the idea of i, I guess in my ha head i've always imagined if i wanted to do any of these games i would have to join a group or 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 invest a lot of time, but from the way you guys have been talking, it sounds like, yeah, it's something that I can do if I have a few friends over one night. We don't have to follow up night after night, or I can play with my wife and if maybe another person or something. I, I'm just curious if anybody even plays these games online where they have webcams and they're all watching what, you know, like people who do like remote uh, chess play, and you move and you see where you move and the other person moves that piece to to emulate what you just did and do it remotely. But um, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds good. It's something I, I, I would definitely want to try. Okay. It's funny. You mentioned that Bruce, because they're uh, Imperial assault. I'm not certain about, 
though I don't believe it would be hard. Uh, you could. I don't know if the roll twenty system would would support it, but uh, I can tell you for sure there's something called. It's basically looks like octagon, I believe, but it's like missing a few characters. And that is a way that people can play the LCG or the, the card game online against each other and try out decks that way and stuff. Mm-hmm. Vassal is a, uh, a system that's used to play the, um, the X-Wing game. And I believe Armada, it now supports Armada as well. So, so there definitely are you know, some, some ways to do that online. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways to do it, but there, you know, I can tell you living around here, Atlanta has a huge, uh, community for, for these FFG games, you know, and, and not just the Star Wars ones. Uh, another game that's incredibly, incredibly popular is called Android Netrunner. And it's, it, a lot of people just go hog wild over that game. So and that's, that's also Fantasy Flight. Yep. Okay, so that's like in the same realm of this. It's just different. It's a separate component of Imperial Assault. It's not part of Imperial Assault. It's something that's similar, but it's on its own. It's more similar. So it's a, it's a living card game. So it, it follows the same model as uh, as the, the Star Wars card game. But it's, um, you know, just to explain it real quick. It's, it's like a, a computer hacker game where you, you know, one play person, uh, their deck is set up to be like a computer hacker. And then the other person's deck is set up to be like this big corporation. And, you know, you, you essentially battle it out. And the, the story is that, you know, one's trying to bring the other one down and the other one's trying to capture the other one or whatever. Um, so, but it's, it's just, it's, it's another, um, it's another franchise or, or license or whatever that, that they use and, and they have their their game set up for that. It's based on an old, if I remember right, it's based on an old uh, Witches of the Coast card game uh, just that was just called Netrunner at the time. Yeah, They've that's, got a that lot of, correct. Fantasy Flight has a lot of these. If you've ever seen um, that, that big card game out there for Game of Thrones, um, yes. if you've ever seen the one out there for uh, Lord of the Rings, They've got a lot of licenses as far as um, their LCG goes. Honestly, if you were going to jump into just any of these and you're looking for what's sort of the more casual one to jump into, um, one that you might want to play with a spouse, in my experience, um, I would say either X-Wing or the LCG, the card game. Um, the I, I tend to find that Armada and Imperial Assault are significantly more complex. The RPGs take a lot more time and are more complex. Um X-Wing's pretty quick to learn, and I think the TCG really is pretty, or the, the LCG is pretty quick to learn the card game. Although, uh, be wary of the fact that it does take a while to play your first game. Sometimes my wife got bored the first time we were playing X-Wing because we were having to explain the rules and stuff as we went, and she decided to suicide all of her characters <laughs> off the edge of the board. She can't all do that. Ships. Well, well she, can, she can fly them, but she can't, uh, she can't barrel roll them off now with the new yep. uh, FAQ sheet. Finally, <laughs> um, see, and it's funny you say that, and and I've heard some people say similar things, but I actually think I'm, you know, I've I've uh, had purchased the the card games. Um, so little thing about myself, I like to throw a lot of stuff I'm interested in on Amazon, and then when it goes down like crazy cheap, then I buy it, and that's how I make purchases. Um, so I, I've actually had the card game for a while now, but I've only recently started you know, putting in efforts to learn it, I kind of, I feel like it's a lot more difficult than X-Wing to learn. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more difficult than X-Wing, but I still think it's probably more straightforward than 
the other two miniatures games as far as just the depth and, and need of the rules but then again at the same time when we started doing the lcg it was back with the core set and i think like one or two force packs out as those have come out there are slight additions to the rules but as long as you stay away from like the super multiplayer um uh, games and whatnot and just stick to like the one-on-one you leave some of the expansions kind of sitting off to the side and just focus on learning the core game first it's not too bad but again it probably comes back to where do you come to the gaming from? I mean, my first miniatures game is X-Wing. Um, but at the same time, I've played quite a few of the card games, so I found that the, the easiest jumping in right. point for me. So, yeah, I mean, and Imperial Assault, I think of it as incredibly complex. It may be something that someone out there who's done a lot of, like, Warhammer's like, that's nothing compared to Armada, because <laughs> yeah. that's my first ground-based miniatures type gaming the closest i ever came was playing a couple of test rounds with the old witches of the coast star wars miniatures and that was just because i got a box of them as a like a prize for free and i figure what the heck and then i stopped very quickly (laughs) right yeah i mean honestly i uh you know i I think it's just more a differences of of our uh our, our history with gaming but yeah for me i feel like the imperial assault is pretty easy i actually even feel like uh armada is not that difficult and which I've, I've heard a lot of people say that they feel that Armada is very difficult. Um, but I felt like it was very straightforward and it, it may have been more just because my, uh, my ADHD was having a harder time kicking in because I found all the nuances, uh, very interesting, you know, b- between X-Wing and, uh, Armada. And, and, and this really goes with all of, uh, fantasy flights games. They, to me, they don't just build rules that they make sure the rules make sense. They also build rules that they make sense, they're fun, enjoyable, but they just absolutely um, they grasp that theme that that, that the game mm-hmm. is supposed to uh, incorporate. So, for instance, with with X Wing, it really feels more like dogfighting ships, right? And I I thought that Armada would just basically be a very similar. Uh, style of play, you know, it, it just w- using bigger ships, right? And they're so totally different. I mean, they're they're two completely different games. And I would actually even say that I, I, you know, I have to give kudos to Fantasy Flight because they seem to have looked at where they can streamline some things. You know, I I absolutely love their uh, their movement template. I guess is it called or, or movement ruler that they use maneuver template. Yeah, that that thing is very cool. I, I, it's really neat because with uh, with, with X Wing, one of the more frustrating things is that uh, you know they, they they did design their own system and it's been very very uh, popular and successful. Uh, so much so that Wizards of the Coast has now is it Wizards of the Coast or is it Wiz Kids? Uh, I think it's Wiz Kids. A- anyhow, um, they have actually now. Uh, purchased the rights to use it on their Star Trek Attack Wing and uh, their Dungeons and Dragons game. So it, it's really cool. But what what it is, you pick, you have your dial, and you pick a, a maneuver, and then you uh, get a corresponding template with that maneuver. So you're going to have several different templates for each one. Well, with Armada, there's just the one template, and then when you do the maneuver. It actually will let you know. So, so think of it like a, a giant boat, right? If you're driving a boat, you can't make a whole lot of uh, like sharp turns and stuff, you know. So, and the faster you go, the harder it is. So that's the way this one. So if you're going to go forward uh, three, 
as, as opposed to to one, you're not going to be able to uh, to actually click it right or left as as much as you would if you were doing one. Does that make sense, Bruce? Yes, it does make sense. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I was I was afraid I lost you there. No. No, it makes sense that, uh, like you said, it's like a yacht that helped me visualize that, you know, you can't really move it quick turns or anything. You have to just kind of glide it through. Yeah, they're really good at making it sort of match the, the feel they're going for. The ships feel like they should as far as what they can and can't do. Um, I particularly like the fact that there's a... So in X-Wing, you've got this pilot skill. And it's always... You're always looking at your ship's and it, their pilots versus your opponents in terms of the ranking of the skill. And when you're doing things like moving or attacking, you're figuring out what you're going to do to some degree before anybody starts revealing anything and making any moves or any attacks. But they do it so that once you actually start revealing it, they're in ascending or descending order, depending on what logically makes sense. So it really does feel like the pilots who are more skilled do have an advantage in terms of having more time to think out what they're going to do and who they're going to attack or to evade an attack and whatnot. Um, they really thought it through well. And same thing with the RPG. The RPG's morality system, um, the duty system, the obligation system, the fact that the dice are narrative. You roll the dice and certain things cancel each other out, but based on what happens, it's not just you succeed or you fail. There's special circumstances that become involved, certain abilities that get triggered, uh, triumphs and despair and all these Things that can be rolled that prompt the game master to make situations not just good or bad, but good with a nuance, bad with a nuance, great, horrific, depending on what gets rolled rather than just being very static. In fact, I would almost say that of all the games they've got, with the possible exception of Imperial Assault, because I don't think I've played it enough to really form an opinion of how well it fits Star Wars thematically. I think the campaign does. I'm not so sure about the gameplay yet. It feels more straightforward and generic gameplay-wise, I think, mechanic-wise. Um, but I think the LCG is probably the one that feels the least fitting into the feel of Star Wars. It's got things like this, uh, this balance of the force that, ha that changes at times, that has an influence on what's going on in the battle and whatnot. And it's got a lot of thematic characters and, and circumstances that you can see play out. But I'm not sure that it really feels any more Star Wars, as far as its mechanics go, than any of the previous Star Wars card games did. But you can really look at the miniatures games, maybe not Imperial Assault, depends, but especially like X-Wing and the RPGs, and you can feel that they care about the Star Wars story aspect and the logic of what they're doing. That it's not just, you take a turn, he takes a turn. You take a turn, he takes a turn. They give it the feel, and you don't even realize, I don't think, that as you're starting to play, why these rules are the way that they are. And as you start to play, you get that feel of, wow, this really feels right. Which... I can't remember the last time I played a brand new game and came out of it feeling like this was right. Good, maybe, but right? That's not a normal feeling for me when it comes to a new miniatures game or board game. So you almost felt like you were getting a new Star Wars story, that you were just kind of on for the ride. Kind of. I mean, you... What's the, I'm trying to figure the best way to put it. It feels like... Oh, put it this way. Uh, the the logic behind it feels different in that you can see the story playing, but it's almost like you can see the blueprints underneath it. Like, why would this dogfight go the way it did 
oh, here's all the stats and all the mechanics that make it work. You could almost like watch a part of a, a Star Wars film and wonder how the mechanics are working in that sense because it feels like you could almost explain it. I had a chance uh, back, I guess, almost a year ago now, right as um, A New Dawn, the novel, was coming out. Uh, John Jackson Miller contacted me and asked uh, if I would sort of join up with him, and we, we created an unofficial X-Wing mission or scenario based around a particular scene in A New Dawn. And it's such an unusual experience being able to look at it and say, okay, how would we take those game mechanics and apply it to the situation? How do you look at this scene in this novel and break it down into sort of the underlying physics and mechanics of it and say, if the rules of the game are applied to this universe, what's happening? And it fits very, very well. There were very few instances where we had to say, well, wait a second, how would we make this work? Because it just sort of felt like it's easily tailored to the universe, which is fantastic. That's another of those extras um, if anybody's looking for it. It's up on StarWarsReport.com. I think it's filed under Star Wars Beyond the Films, our podcast, I believe. But it's about probably one of the few things you would find if you did a search on the website for X-Wing. So, Michael, you feel the same when you play it? Um. Yeah. Now, w- one thing, which hold on, let me let me just back up. So I actually think that's really cool, Nate. I didn't I didn't know you had done that. Um, so I'm I'm interested in looking looking that up. Um, now, one thing is I do have to respectfully disagree with you on on the LCG though. To me, I think there's so much theme in that game, and uh, you know, to me, it's. Uh, it's huge, you know. Like like we talked about earlier, you know, the that with um, Armada, you know, it's the capital ships. You know, you have this this large ship type war, whereas you have the dog fights with X wing, um, and then you have the ground war type stuff with Imperial assault. The card game, uh, I, I feel like, sort of captures all of that. And you, um, you you know what what's so cool about it is that. You, you can pick your different decks. So, so how it works is you, you're always playing light side versus dark side. And the, you know, there's, there's different goals and there's different ways. There's really only, you know, a, a couple of ways that you can win and it's different for both sides, but there's a lot of different ways you can go about that. So for instance, uh, you know, there's the balance of the force. So if you have a deck, you can actually build your deck and the whole point is to try to control the force and, and get it on your side. Um, so, so for instance, the way, the way the game works is the rounds count down with what they call the Death Star dial. It's the Death Star and inside the little, the little divot or radar dish or whatever that little thing is, you know, they have a number and it starts at zero and every time on the dark side player's turn, it counts up. Once it gets to 12, dark side wins. But other things can cause it to count up faster. So if, uh, if, if the dark side is committing to the force and, and they end up winning the force, then they uh, can turn around and, and they can actually uh, cause that to go, you know, at, at that stage uh, of their turn, they can actually click it up an extra one. Um, you know, and, and so there's a there's a lot of things like that that to me really you know when when you actually kind of see like okay here, here's this mechanic well why is it a mechanic and you think oh well okay that's you know that makes sense with the game so or, or, or with the movie so you're thinking okay so you know this is this handles the force part of it right so you know you think back to to the the prequels where 
you know the 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 Jedi were not in control of the Force, you know, and and so that that's kind of uh, a mechanic in the game where you can totally uh, take control of the Force and, and use that to your advantage. Uh, besides that, you know, there's also destroying objectives. So you think like the the rebel, uh, you know, the rebellion. You you have certain objectives in in this large you know empire versus rebellion war. And you're trying to take out those objectives. And so that's, you know, with, with the, if you're playing the light side, if you take out three dark side objectives, then you win. Um, so, so that's really interesting, you know, because those objectives, you know, they sort of uh, represent uh, certain themes or, or even locations in, in the game. Um, and, and, you know, it's... it's I don't, it's a lot to me. It's it's so much fun because I, I feel like they really capture all the different elements. I mean, you have you have uh, bounty hunters, and and what they actually do is they can actually capture the cards uh, of your opponent, and and use use you know that sort of against your opponent. So so they're constantly uh, capturing stuff like which is you know what bounty hunters do. Um, you know, it's it's really cool with the Ewoks how they can kind of. Uh, just multiply and really start messing with stuff, you know, and, and really, uh, really mess your opponent up. Like it just, all of those little nuances in the game, I think, you know, I think just make for an awesome theme. And, and, you know, furthermore, it allows you to, to build, to build and, and play how you want. You know, you're playing the same game, but you're, you get to change your style of how you want to do it. And you can even change how you want to do it. You know, like, cause for me, I love all of star Wars, you know, I'm like, ah, I'm just really feeling like doing some Jedi stuff. Boom. Jedi deck. Or, you know what? I just, ah, I love the, the big capital ships. I can do, you know, a capital ship deck, just stuff like that. It's to me, it's, I don't know. I, I am really, really been falling in love with the LCG lately. Well, it sounds like you have just about every character. Because I was surprised when you said Ewoks. I, you know, you actually have Ewoks that you can do in this, right? Or is there like Gungans and all that other stuff? Okay, or? so Fantasy Flight does not. Um, they stay uh, in the Galactic Civil War era, um, so they so they don't really. I, 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 I don't recall if there's any Gungans or not, but they they try to theme. So, for instance, uh, the core set was more based around Battle of Yavin. Uh, then the second, you know, they, they do what they call cycles. And the second one was uh, Battle of Hoth. So everything was Hoth-themed for those sets to come out. So uh, it's during the, emp- the the height of the Empire. Yeah, yeah. So it's that. And then and then now they're starting to bleed into, you know, you have uh, Rogue Squadron. You know, you have, you know, it, it's starting to get a little past that. But now we're actually, the next set, I believe, is going to be, you know, more focused on the Battle of Endor. I guess one thing that... Uh, for those who are listening who are tr- thinking that this sounds really cool, I want to jump into that kind of game, but they may not have the time for it or may just kind of feel intimidated. Like maybe the only card games they've ever played have been, you know, actual card games, like a, a deck of 52 cards. We're playing blackjack, we're playing poker or whatever, as opposed to these thematic based games. They do have another game we haven't even mentioned because it's so easy to just slip our minds because it's not growing at all <laughs> right. um there's a game out there they've got called empire versus rebellion costs like 13 bucks you can get it actually cheaper a lot of places but 13 bucks i think is the retail and it's it's a reskin of a game they had before called cold war cia versus kgb but it's basically you take rules very similar to blackjack to an extent mix them in with a very basic ccg or tcg type level of gameplay where there's some strategy involved in it 
and it creates this quick, very fast-paced, Star Wars-themed, though not heavily themed, uh, not nearly as heavily Star Wars-themed in terms of its mechanics as these other games are, because it is a reskin of an old game, but it's Star Wars' uh, approach, you know, the Cold War, ver you know, West versus East, here you got Empire versus Rebellion, very similar, um, at least in terms of just two opposing forces and some of the strategies being used and all. But I think that's a great entry point type game. There's no need to buy expansions because there's just the one set. That's all there is. Um, it's relatively quick to learn, quick to play. And if you like the idea of playing something that's more strategy based while you're playing cards, that can be sort of your gateway drug, so to speak, <laughs> to bring you over into something like the, the LCG. Um, and I don't know, I guess to me, they've yet to really... Fantasy Flight Games, with the exception of some of the issues I've run into with a recent, a recent X-Wing model and just a, <laughs> a bad production model that can't be replaced, so I'm trying to fix it myself, um, I really have yet to run into much with Fantasy Flight Games that has given me pause about their products or the quality of it. it they tend to put out some really quality stuff whatever game you're trying to play, Um they may play fast and loose with some of the dates in Onslaught at Arda 1 that make me want to throw it out the window. Thankfully, it's not in my house anymore. Um, but for the most part, whatever game you decide to jump into with these, you're going to have a fun Star Wars experience. And with the exception of Empire vs. Rebellion, there's going to be room to grow. If you want to play competitively, you're going to have to grow as far as picking up more stuff for the most part. But if you want to just collect or play casually, there's really not as much of a need to grow. I mean, if you're just going to sit down and play every great once in a while, I would argue that the core set for any of these games is a fun experience in and of itself. It's just it gets that much deeper when you start adding the expansions to it. Um, I could have, my wife and I, most of the time, if we're sitting down to play the LCG, we just grab the stuff out of the core set because she's familiar with it, I'm familiar with it, we just play. Yep, and and, and a lot of times... Um you know it's from from looking at the different games you know the the lcg so that that came out that corset came out in 2012 and it's still you know it's still the the one that uh, there's so many cards that come from that that are being used in these tournament decks that are that are winning you know it's it's still very viable um the one that i would say the you know the corset i would say that's not as viable today as as what it was initially would actually be with x-wing um yeah. yeah and you know that's some people will disagree and and it really depends on which way you want to go basically if you want to play tie fighters then yeah it's still viable but if you're wanting to play x-wings no because at the moment x-wings aren't aren't really viable but I can absolutely tell you that 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 there you know there's going to be changes with that, um, and you know it's 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 I mean it's still good you know the um, the the best thing in the game or you know one of the most useful cards in the game is R two D two and he comes in the core set now everyone plays him a corn horn uh, on an E wing but still a uh, a really really good card. So, Michael, you said earlier that uh, the area we live in, there's a lot of groups, there's or there's a lot of uh, com competition happening. Yes. What? How? How do other people, like in other areas, find groups like this in their in their area? Where do you go to find these places? I mean, honestly, you know, if if it were me, I would just say check Facebook. 
Um, I, I, you know, uh, you can also probably check, I, I bet if you checked Fantasy Flight's uh, their page, they probably have a few things listed, or, you know, you could check the forums. Uh, Reddit's a thing that I know kids mess with today. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I just sort of fell into it and realized, you know, we, Atlanta is very competitive. It's From what I'm seeing, Atlanta seems to be one of the most competitive areas. And uh, they actually even have their uh, their own name and T-shirts. And I have uh, the sticker on, on my case. It's the Atlanta Hawks, but it's uh, H, uh, or, yeah, H-W-K-S, uh, as in like the Hawk 290. And uh, they've taken the Atlanta Hawks basketball team logo and they've replaced it with the nose of the Hawk 290. That is so awesome. Yeah, That's it's, so- it's really, really cool. And even, I mean, even to the point they have T-shirts and everything. I mean, this is yep. really heavy duty. Like, oh, yeah. The, dedication. Um, these guys are, are super serious. I don't want to get into uh, too much detail or anything, but there was. You know, there there was some really heated uh, discussion going on earlier. You know, I mean, they're just this area. You know, I I love these guys, and we're definitely going to be getting them on soon. Uh, these guys are super passionate about Star Wars and and these games. So, you know, I I, I really want to get them on, and so people can kind of see what these tournament players are like. Uh, Nate, you said you you had something. Well, I'm gonna say. Um when I was back in Indiana, the main place that I would see people play is, is there's a comic shop there called Comic Quest, and it's just massive, massive comic shop. Biggest one I've ever seen. I worked there actually for a little while. Um, came down here, and then my wife's dad owned a comic shop that basically could fit in my bathroom. Um, what I would do if you're looking for places, uh, social media is great, but also look for comic shops, but look for ones that are of basically medium to large size because I find that most of the gaming groups that I've encountered a lot of times it's not a dedicated gaming store so much as it's a comic store that also sells gaming stuff and they'll set aside a little chunk in there for people to come in and play because then they might buy other stuff but your smaller comic shops aren't going to be able to do it just from a space standpoint but I think the, the closer you get towards some of the bigger cities you know, the ones that if somebody asks you where you're from, you have to tell them, well, I'm from a little bit outside this, like Atlanta. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, you're going to probably find uh, some nice comic shop type settings to do that, to get all your geekdom in one place. I can imagine that with the comic shops, because one time I went into one, and, I mean, it wasn't, you know, real small, but it, you know, it was an adequate size, and there was maybe only three people in there, and, you know, I'm I'm browsing the different comics and there's this side door and I just happen to be standing next to the side door when somebody comes out of it and through the door I see just these rows of tables and all these people and here I'm thinking in this little comic shop with barely anybody there yet there's just this crowd of people and they're playing some kind of games it was just incredible it was like this secret hangout or something that no one knew about the secret door like i needed to know what the password was to knock to get in or something the password's always password oh see i never would have come up with that i was trying to use one of my new keys that you gave me to try to get in it wouldn't work no no sorry yeah password's always password so i mean this has been really great guys i mean i've really got a lot out of this and as i as we go episode to episode there's going to be upcoming shows where we're going to get deeper and deeper into this so i'm really glad to be along this ride to learn everything about fantasy flight games and my birthday is coming up in october and (laughs) My wife's going to say, what do you want? And 
now I know what I'm going to start asking for. So this has been awesome. So Nate, thank you for joining us and helping and explain this for someone like me who's kind of dense when it comes to fantasy flight games. Hey, glad to be here. And welcome to the StarWarsReport.com family. Well, thank you. Are there keys for that too? <laughs> Shoot, I don't even have keys at this point. <laughs> I think we all just kind of bang on the door and then Riley lets us in if he wants to. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was more so since you're the, the newbie, I just gave you the keys more of a just so I don't have to deal with them type of thing. Well, that's great. Thank you for all the keys. It's just weighing me down. You know? <laughs> hey, man, that's the way it goes sometimes. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, so, Nate, now I know you've got a lot of videos and, and stuff um, for people who, who may be interested if you want to tell them about that. Sure. Um, well, specific to the gaming stuff, I get all the Fantasy Flight game stuff as it comes in. I don't, I'm don't. i not a paid reviewer or anything. I don't get comp copies. I buy the materials. And when they come in, I do usually unboxing videos or overviews of the contents. I've done some demo games of things like Empire vs. Rebellion, the LCG, and Imperial Assault. Uh, all those videos, if you're curious about seeing this stuff, what the products are like, or seeing some of the games in action, though not all of them, uh, it's youtube.com slash user, because you always got to put that in there, slash Chrono Radio, the name of my first podcast, C-H-R-O-N-O, like chronology, radio, just slammed together as one word. Um, lots of stuff up there, and if there's stuff that uh, you all think of that could be helpful to new players, you could let me know. I might be able to produce um, some more of those, because the whole idea is hopefully to help people who feel this is intimidating with all these games and these huge product lines that are growing so quickly. Um, to make it feel more accessible. At least that's the plan, the hope. Awesome, man. And uh, so you do a few other things if you want to go ahead and plug that stuff. Sure. Uh, I'm also behind the Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere. It is going to have a new edition coming out in October. That's StarWarsFanWorks.com slash Timeline. I am on uh, the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable and Star Wars Beyond the Films, both of which are also at StarWarsReport.com, along with Cloud City Casino. And, um, yeah, there's other videos also, if you wanted to check those out, uh, from the Star Wars Home Video Library is probably the main one that I'm doing right now, aside from the game ones. A, a look back at all the different Star Wars Home Video releases, what makes them unique, what features they had, as I feature this massive collection that I've been having grow sort of like a mutation in my back room for a while. Awesome. And uh, Bruce, where, where can everybody find you, man? Everyone can find me on Twitter. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, you'll find me there, and I'm on every day. <laughs> awesome. I, I got to get you to, to help me with my uh, Twitter habits and, and get it up. Uh, but I am at Morris Isley on there. And then, of course, you can actually reach us uh, under the show at uh, Cloud City Casino on, on Twitter. Uh, yes, and I'll the... be there every day now, too. Yeah, there you go. Yep, I gave you the keys to that. Uh, I don't know which one. Just try a few till it works. I'm going to start marking these keys. It's getting a bit confusing. Okay. Um, <laughs> Keep the bathroom key. Yeah, that, that's the that's why we put it on the force pike so that it doesn't get lost. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we also have the Cloud City Casino Facebook page, and you can email us at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Oh, yes. Do, please, please email because we want to read your email. Yeah. Right here on the show. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it, it's going to happen when we get emails eventually. Actually, we, we do need to, uh, next episode, we've got something that we got to respond to somebody it's nice though nobody yelled at us not yet um so and then let's see we have um the, the itunes yeah you can uh, subscribe to us on there 
and please leave us a review. Uh, five stars, preferably. Uh, definitely helps us out, and we would greatly appreciate it. Yes, please show everybody that we you actually enjoy what we're doing so my wife can understand there's a reason behind this madness. Yeah, right now she just yells at him and belittles him. That's right. If, if he had a couple more five-star reviews, then uh, he'd have everything turned around. He'd be a changed man. Right, I'd be a five-star man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Nate, Bruce, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, everybody listening, I, I appreciate you. And uh, never forget, let the Wookiee win. So disorganized. Give me one second. You get more keys. Oh wait, we're done with the skit. Sorry. Sitting on the keys. <laughs> the and keys. that is why Zero talks like that. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs>